Isn't it amazing that the perfect God will allow the imperfect to proclaim His Word? That the righteous God will allow the unrighteous to proclaim His majesty? That the forgiving God will bless those who are in need of forgiveness to be able to worship Him? Isn't it wonderful? We serve an awesome God. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance today. Those who are online, those who are here present, thank you for being here. God bless you. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A great Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We praise you. We love you. We thank you so very much. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for accepting our worship. Thank you for allowing us to worship you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And for Jesus, a great Savior who came to the earth, who lived and died for our sins, that we might be redeemed. Please help us to keep our minds focused, Lord God, on your word, your will, and your way. Help us to accept your word, to internalize it. And then to go out and teach others, show others your way. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. It be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We've been talking about those single ladies. But we ended last week with the question, well, where, where are all these churches come from? I want to talk about that this morning with the idea of church deception. Church deception. The first thing is, as God's people, we know the church isn't the building, right? It's the people. So we're talking about really the saved. And the lost, saved, and the unsaved. This is a very serious matter because this deception has caused so many to lose their souls. And God wants all to be saved. And so God brings us the message from his divine word that we must not only adhere to, but understand. And so we must read it and grow and learn. So Satan uses everything at his disposal. We've been looking at his single ladies and all that idea of deceit and wickedness and evil that comes from them. The idea is to lure us away from God. The Word of God has always given us all of the answers, right? We may not know where all the answers are, but we do know where they can be found. But we have to read it, we have to believe it, and we have to apply it to our lives. The coming church was this great prophecy, right? The prophetic message, it cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. The prophetic message came long, long, long and many, many years ago about the coming kingdom of God, the church of Christ, God's kingdom. And there are many, many false prophets and prophecies out there in the world today, but God has ensured that we can know the truth. That's really important. Can we know the truth? Yes, that we can know the truth. If the prophecy regarding the church of Christ is true, then a wise person would obey it. If it's false, let me say right here and right now today, don't listen to it. So let's look at the Word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 18. What does God say about prophecy? Verse 20, But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he shall speak in the name of other gods that prophet shall die. 
And you may say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. In other words, what God is saying is, if the prophecy does not come true, don't obey it, don't fear it, and don't listen to it. But if it has come true, obey it and listen to it and fear it. So let's look at the prophecy. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 first. Because there's so much confusion in our religious world today. And that's because of Satan. Satan is the master of confusion and deception and wickedness. And there are churches everywhere, no matter where you go, there are so many churches. So many. And then you ask the question, the unpopular question, well, how many churches did Jesus promise to build? How many churches does the prophecy tell us that Christ would build? Now, obviously, we can't deal with all the prophecies in one sermon. I'm just going to deal with a few of them and then see his fulfillment. And we'll go back and look at a few, Lord willing, more next week. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So, confusion has not come from God. If it has not come from God, where has it come from? It came from Satan. Zechariah chapter 6. When you go into the Old Testament, the Bible speaks over and over again about the Messiah and what the Messiah would bring to this world. And the Messiah has come to save a lost and dying world. Zechariah begins the prophecy which cannot be changed. In verse 12. Then say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch, that's Jesus, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, It is he who will build the temple of the Lord. And he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus he will be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace will be between the two offices. Now let's think about what's being said here. The book says in verse 12 that the branch would build the temple. That's the church. He doesn't say temples, as in many, but singular. The temple. In verse 13 it says, Yet it is he who will build the temple of the Lord. And he, speaking of Jesus, who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Not a throne, not the thrones, but just one. Singular, because he's the king. Thus, He will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. So here the prophecy about Jesus, the branch, who would come and would build the temple. Not many, just one. 
Daniel chapter 2, the very familiar prophecy, and verse 44. In regards to all the kingdoms, here we have uh, the prophecy about the Babylonian Empire down to the Roman Empire. And in the days of those kings, in verse 44, listen to what the prophecy says. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. The prophecy, does the prophecy speak of a multiplicity of kingdoms, churches, or just one? Read it again, please. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom, not those, not they, that kingdom will not be left for another people, it, not they, not them, it, singular, will crush and put to an end all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Now, the way I see it is, the best way to to understand and think about what what thus saith the Lord is to find out what thus saith the Lord, right? And not what thus saith all the preachers in the world today or all the people in the world who proclaim the name of Christ today, but let's go find out what thus saith the Lord. So, first of all, what does the Father have to say? Go to Matthew 17. This was read in your Bible study, in fact, uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 17. The Father has something to say about the kingdom. The church, the temple of God. Beginning, if you will, in verse 1. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, Peter had a great idea. At first he said, let's give God one first. That, that's pretty wise. But let's also build something. Let's build a church. Let's build a, a tabernacle, a temple, something where people can come to worship. Let's build one for you, Jesus. Let's build one for you, Moses. And let's build one for you, Elijah. And the Father said, listen to Jesus. All right. Well, what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 16, please. And verse 18. As Jesus asked, who people say that he is, when you get to verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, that great confession he just made, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. So my is possessive. He didn't say I was going to build churches, like as in many. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against It, is that not what Daniel just said? The it itself. The connection of the word of God is so powerful. But here's what's important. What's important is, 
right now there are people, I'm, I'm assuming this, online, and maybe some of you sitting right now who feel a little uncomfortable telling the world there's only one church. That's Satan's trick. That's Satan's deceit. You see, this is the only place that God places the saved. It's in the church. Like in the days of Noah. It wasn't that you could build another ark. You had to accept the ark that Noah built. And God placed the saved inside of the ark. God has placed the saved inside of the church. Satan's deception is, if you can just convince people that any church will do, you can keep folks from being saved. You see, because there are different ways to attain membership in other churches. And even in the church of Christ. And we teach what the Bible tells us to, that the only way you can become a member of the church of Christ is by being baptized into Christ, and Christ will add you to the church. You know the beautiful thing about that is? It's not up to you. It's not up to me. We don't have to take a vote and decide whether or not you are a gold member or a silver member. We don't have to take a vote to decide whether you should gain entrance to the church. It's God who adds people to the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. You know what else that means? That means that no one has power or authority over another except for what's given to them by God. My church, it doesn't belong to man. It only belongs to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God tells us. So that's what Jesus says. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to begin down uh, around... um, Verse 5, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. Listen to the kingdom. For to which of the angels did he ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings forth the firstborn into all the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. See, it belongs to Jesus. He is the king. So God makes it clear. Jesus says, I'll build my church. The Father says that Jesus has the scepter. If you will, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's a scripture that applies to what I said a moment ago. That so many Christians are ashamed to talk about the one church. Kind of afraid to. The world doesn't want to hear it. One church. One church is just as good as another. Satan is busy, he's deceitful, he's wicked, he's evil, and he's trying to take salvation away from humanity. And what better way to do it than to show folks there are multiple ways of being saved, though that's not in the Word of God. So listen to what the Bible says about Jesus and building his church. Verse 6, for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, 
For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Jesus is the capstone or cornerstone of his church. And he's also a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. See, we don't really think about it when we think about the fact that we're ashamed or afraid to tell people about the one church. That it's that stumbling block that the Bible speaks of. Why would Jesus be a stumbling block for a Christian? Why are we afraid to tell the truth? To speak God's word. To tell people that God only established one church. Because we don't want to offend the world. Although the Bible tells us the world is going to be offended by the message of Jesus. You can't change the prophecy, brethren. We cannot change the prophecy. Okay. Well, what does the Holy Spirit have to say? Turn to John 14. John chapter 14. I think if you read it enough in the Word of God in different ways, you understand that this is a very important mission that we have been given by God to proclaim His Word to a lost and dying world. People cannot be saved if we don't teach Jesus to them. In verse 15, the Bible says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be with you. Verse 25. Listen to what the Spirit of truth would do. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I said to you. Now he's talking to the apostles. So what he's telling us is everything the apostles wrote, turn to Second Timothy chapter 3, is by the direction, the divine direction of the Holy Spirit. So the Father says, listen to Jesus. Jesus tells us he's only going to build one church. And the apostles are going to teach and proclaim to you and to I, to the world, the exact same doctrine that there is but one church by the divine direction and order of God. And I'm going to preach this in such a simple way to where you can't argue with it, right? And not only can we not argue with it, but then we'll become compelled to seek and save the lost. Verse 16. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All of the scriptures inspired by God. So what does God have to say? What does the Father say? What does Jesus say? What does the Holy Spirit say? What do the apostles say? What does the Bible say? Because really that's the point of contention. When we're speaking of the one church, it's not really, you know, we think about, well, you know, this church, they, they do this, and, and it's a good, they do really, really good works. We're not denying that. Well, this church, they, they are really, human, they're great humanitarians. We're not denying that. Well, this church has an awful lot of money. We're not denying that. Well, this church meets in this huge building, and so for that reason, well, we're not denying that. The question is, Which one is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the question. What did the apostles say? They were guided by the Holy Spirit about the church. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Remember that something we already know is that this lesson is a lesson of, of a stumbling block. I already know that. You know, we also, we already know, we already know this lesson is offensive to so many people. We already know that. Because Jesus already told us that he would be not only the chief cornerstone, but he would also be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So I already know it. If you're offended, I already know it. It's all right. Because Jesus told us. This is a very serious topic. This is a very important topic. If we don't get this one right, if we don't get this one right, how are we going to help people to be saved? How are we going to help people to come to Christ? If we don't get this one right. Verse 22 please. In verse 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. So this is the father speaking of Jesus. The father put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So the Father has given all authority to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in verse 22, at the very end, that he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church. That definite article is so important, isn't it? Not churches as in many, but into the church. And then he goes on to say, there's a comma, the author's not finished his thought yet, which is what? His body. So the church is the body. And the body is the church. They are interchangeable words. Just as the kingdom is the body, which also is the church. They're interchangeable words throughout the scripture in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1. It defines, I love the fact that God defines his own terms. Colossians 1 and verse 18. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. So Jesus is the head of the body, definite article, the church. Now the question is, now preacher, you said the church and the word church and body are interchangeable, and they mean one and the same. Well, what? how can you really prove that? Well, just keep reading. Jump all the way down to verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And so, again, the Bible defines its own terms. The body is the church, and the church is the body. Is there a consistent teaching? Of course, you read it, right? Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. You know it's there. The Bible makes it clear there is one body, one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling. If there is one body, there is one church. The Bible says that. We may not want to believe that. The folks in the world may argue with that, but the Bible says it. And it doesn't just say it there. Look, if you will, at verse 12. Or in these passages. Uh, as God talks about uh, what he gave. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. If the word body and church are interchangeable. If it's the body of Christ. What else is it? It's also the church of Christ. And why is it the church of Christ? Because the Bible tells us that. 
We are the called out, the ecclesia, the church. We are the called out of Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ, which means we must abide by and obey the rules, regulations, and laws of our God. He's in charge. He's the head. No man's the head. There is no ruling body. There is no government entity that's over us. It's just God. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Brethren, if we, if we don't have this one right, how, how could we ever say that we're going out to do a mission trip or job and seek and save the lost if we don't even have this one right? This is where you stand strong. I mean, it's kind of, I think it's funny. I, you know, I, I have, uh, uh, you know, jackets or, or shirts and they may, may, uh, talk about or promote my favorite team or, or, or some, you know, say something that is powerful or whatever it might be. And you, you do it as well. In football season, everyone puts their jackets on. They're all they're proud of their team. But you can be proud of the church, right? We have to be proud of the church that Jesus purchased and bought with his own blood. So listen to 1 Corinthians 12. Watch the word play. We're going to come back. We're going to read it twice. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one, yet as many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, if the word church and body are interchangeable, let's read it again and inter- interchange the word body with church. Listen to what God is saying to us. For even as a church is one, it has many members, and all the members of the church, though they are many, are one church, so also is Christ. For by one spirit were you all baptized into one church. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink. Of one spirit, for the church is not one member, but many. It's pretty clear. That's if you want it. Galatians chapter 1. I, I know the, the, the thought, you know, the, the question, the same one that I had, the same one that you might have. Well, what about all these other churches? They're doing so much good. and, and it's so. I know. I, I feel you. I know. I know. But that doesn't change what the Bible says. It doesn't change what the Bible says. Galatians 1 and verse 13. Not to be offensive to anyone, but it's an offensive topic. Because God said it would be. Galatians 1 verse 13 says, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. He wasn't destroyed. He wasn't looking around saying, you know, you guys, he, 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 there's only one church. And he was looking for that one church. And he would find members of the one church. And he would persecute the one church. Rome persecuted the one church. There weren't a whole lot of churches in the fact of denominations. There were none. It's just one church. Something changed. Something changed. It wasn't God. First Timothy chapter three. In verse 15. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. Truth. The church. It doesn't say the church for no reason at all. When Jesus said, this is my church, he didn't say it because 
he didn't know what else to say. It, he was inspired. I spoke what the Father wanted me to say. So this is agreeable. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, please. This is agreeable by the Father. It is agreeable with the Father. It is agreeable with the Son. It is agreeable with uh, the, the Holy Spirit. It is agreeable with the Holy Apostles. Is it agreeable with you? See, that's where the question is, right? We know what God has to say, but now how do you feel about what God has to say? And then I take a step backward and say, wait a minute, why am I asking how do we feel? Instead, what does the Bible say? Do you believe the Bible? That's what matters. The way I feel doesn't matter at all. I got family members and friends who just say, you know, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. I've done this all my life and I'm not going to change. Well, okay, so be it. That's not, that's not up to me. I can't do it. Okay, that's fair. But my job is to teach you the truth. Right? My job is to tell you what God says, and then you make a decision from there. So here's the passage we run all the time. Beautiful passage about marriage. But Ephesians 5 is not really talking about marriage. It's talking about the church. But God uses marriage because we understand it in a very emphatic way to learn how to treat each other. But listen to what the Bible is really saying to us in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Notice it's all singular, right? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word. That he, he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Right there you might say, wait a minute, you're talking about the one church and I'm having a problem with that verse. That's because the way God sees it, he sees it through the blood of Jesus. We see the reality, we see us. And we go, wait a minute, I don't see a, a, this church that's perfect and all and blameless and spotless. I know, because we're not looking through the blood of Jesus. God sees us through the blood of Jesus. That's how in the day of, of judgment, God's going to see us. God will see his children, not through the eyes of humanity, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. The sanctified, the set apart. Okay, listen to what it says, verse 28. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church. Verse 32, please. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The church of Christ is the only church of all the churches. You might say, well, what, what's one distinguishing mark? Is the only church without a mortgage. Well, you say, well, other churches have paid off their, their, well, see, you're talking about the building. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the fact that we're the blood-bought people. We're the blood-bought people of Jesus Christ. He bought us. He purchased us. Based on the scripture, through the scripture, by the scripture. Here's what Satan knows. If you do not get the right message, you cannot be saved. You just can't. 
And so, so you know, whether we decide we're going to be progressive and we're going to believe progressive ideas or, or what, it doesn't matter. If you're not believing what the Bible says, you're going to have trouble at the day of, of judgment. There's going to be trouble at the gate, brethren, for all of us, if we don't abide by what Jesus says. Right? And so, the lesson is not intended to be offensive, but the lesson will always be offensive because Jesus said it would. Because he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You cannot be saved in your own way. We can only be saved by the way of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Matthew chapter 7, please. So if there is one church, if there's one church, if there's one church, Where did all of the other churches come from? We already talked about that, didn't we? We talked about Satan's single ladies. Misunderstanding, misapplication, misinformation, misinterpretation. Right? People following the wrong people. People following great preachers, great men, great family members. People following man instead of following God. When you follow God, Jesus made it clear, if you decide to make the step to walk away from the world and walk to God, there is going to be animosity between mother and son and daughter and father and son and daughter and brother and sisters. Right? And we can carry on cousins and aunts and uncles and just go on with the list because this is the most major step you'll ever make in your entire life to walk away from Satan and to walk to Jesus. Through deceit, Satan with strings attached, with strings attached, says, I'll give you human beings whatever you want. You name it, I'll give it to you. What kind of church do you want? I got it for you. And then we follow the blind who are leading the blind. Because we become blind when you turn away from the Word of God. So the Bible says in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. I'm not saying that, that all the preachers out there and, and teachers, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about good people, bad people. I'm not saying that, right? All of us are bad. God said they call no one good. All of us need help. Not talking about that. But there are people who are deceived. I was deceived. You, you, when you were outside of Christ, you were deceived. Thank God for enlightenment, right? Thank God for helping us to see the truth. Help others to see the truth. Don't, don't, don't take it personal. This is not, a, it's not about arguing the point. It's just about teaching the Bible. And let God work on their hearts as He worked on our hearts. John 14. Verse 6, Jesus says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way to get there. So today is not, is not this, you know, well, you know, I think we used to call them this sermon that, you know, a doctrinal sermon that, you know, we're condemning other. It's not, that's not what this sermon's about. Today this sermon is about helping us to remember what thus saith the Lord, 
and lighting the fire under us to go and seek and save the lost. Help people to learn about Jesus. It's all over the Bible. It's in the prophecy. It's in the New Testament. I'll give you more, Lord willing, next week if you'll come back. If you'll attend again. If you'll come back and listen to what thus saith the Lord. The lesson is yours this morning. I I trust and pray that something was said to stimulate your mind to uh, good works, to uh, a desire to fulfill the, the law of Christ, to seek and save that which is lost, to bring people to Jesus. The lesson is yours. This morning, if you are not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Christ today. Surrender to Him today. Come by faith, hearing His Word, believing what you've heard as you've studied and you've you've learned. Being willing to repent, have godly sorrow in your heart. Confess His name before men. Be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If you are a child of God and you are struggling in your walk of faith, well, you would just like prayers made in your behalf for whatever reason. Thank God here's an opportunity, a platform in which we can do that. If we can help in any way, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And we ask that you'll come as we stand together. If you are not uh, with us here in person, then uh, you know what? Look online. Here's the information that's right before you. Contact us. May God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time.